Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Geek Wave. This is the low budget show. It's the show. Uh, it's the show solo. It has no budget. What a day. What a life we live. A lot of stuff going on in the world, and I don't know. Like, I feel like I should talk more about politics, but I'm also like, I don't know enough to do it. So instead of getting too serious, let's escape into the realm of fantasy where we'll all feel a little bit better about ourselves because we don't have to worry we can just escape for a minute and if i can be your escape for this little couple hours sure let me do it last week we talked about the early career of tom cruise this week we are back talking the current career of tom cruise 2000 and onwards yep what a man what a legacy very impressive to see where he has come where he has gone wow I'm just I'm just blown away that Tom Cruise has been relevant for 40 years. That's impressive. Not not many people can do that. You know, not many people can survive that long in this industry still being a top player up until like their 20s, their 30s, their 40s and 50s. That's impressive. But of course, before we jump into the world of Tom Cruise, we have a couple pieces of news to talk about. A pretty heavy week. I put these in order of stuff coming out. And not in order of, you know, categorizing for, you know, universe or franchise or studio. These are just what's coming out from what. First off, we got a teaser trailer for Prey. Those of you who don't know what Prey is, this is the latest Predator film. It is a smaller budget. It is a smaller scaled movie. It is set in like the 1700s. And this tribal woman, oh, it's a certain type of... uh, of Native American, what tribe I cannot remember for the life of me, but uh, yeah, predator hunting some people in the past, like hell yeah, I'm I'm on board for this. This is the thing I like about streaming. The last Predator movie was abysmally bad. Take your smaller budget and go back to your roots. Go back to what made this important in the first place. I'm on board for this Predator reboot. I cannot wait to see this thing. That teaser was cool, just showing the dots on the girl's head. I love it. It was so intense, so gripping. Really sold me on a lot of stuff. I really dug that. I cannot wait for this. I'm a huge Predator fan. I don't talk about it a lot. I do like Alien and I do like Predator. I think there's some really fun stuff in both franchises, and I like that they can kind of like exist on their own from places of own existence. I think that's really fun, and this looks really cool. But jumping from there, we got a lot of Star Wars news coming soon because we have Celebration coming up this weekend. Next week, I will say next week, I am planning on doing a Star Wars video, talking a little bit of Obi-Wan, talking a little bit of Celebration if there's news that comes out, and just talking about stuff in general Star Wars related. But I do have one piece of Star Wars news I want to talk about this week. That is that John Watts who we know has stepped away from Fantastic Four, will be moving over to the world of Star Wars because he's going to be working on a coming-of-age story set in the world of Star Wars after the events of Return of the Jedi. Okay. Like, I I am 100% on board if John Watts come to Star Wars. Coming-of-age in Star Wars is kind of cool. That's what I felt Luke's journey was in the first movie, was a coming-of-age story for him. So finding a new footing to do that would be kind of cool. I would love it if it was a story of a character we already know from the sequel series. If this was the 
story of maybe like Poe Dameron growing up and finding out his footing. You know, his parents are part of the rebellion. This new world order is being formed. How does he fit into this place? Does he want to escape into a new world, but he's drawn back into this one? Does he start off as a spice runner and then come back to this one? Very interesting. You could get Zori, Zora, Zori, Zorel Bliss, Carrie Russell's character to come back. I, I look. I have talked about a lot of stuff with the Rise of Skywalker, Poe Dameron and Zorel Bliss. I can see that romance going somewhere fun, if only because Oscar Isaac and Carrie Russell are gorgeous people, and I want to see them kiss more. Could be fun. So yeah, I'm okay for coming of age story very like 80s and Amblin apparently. I'm like, yeah, that I don't really care. Why don't we try telling a story in modern times and make that work before we jump the gun? Also, I'm not doing weekly reviews for Obi-Wan. I'm going to do a big video talking about Obi-Wan. I'm doing weekly reviews for Strange New Worlds, which I think is a fun show. So check out those reviews. So coming of age in Star Wars, we all did. We all came of age watching Star Wars. So now we're going to see somebody come of age inside of Star Wars. That's kind of fun. Moving from there, though, we have our first trailer that we're going to talk about, and that is for the She-Hulk Attorney at Law show. We got a subtitle for it, Attorney at Law. Very cool. I I love She-Hulk. First off, I, I think I've talked about this a couple of times. I love this character. I love what she represents. A lot of my personal writing, when I come up with characters, it is inspired by Sensational She-Hulk. It is inspired by that version of the character. This show gave me a lot of mixed feelings. I love the Ally McBeal feel, you know, where it's just like, look, it's just a, she's just a girl working about town doing her thing. That's important. That's what the show should feel feel like. But the stuff I don't like, all the other superhero things. I don't really like Mark Ruffalo's Hall, and I don't think Emil Blonsky is needed in here. There are things we saw in the trailer that did excite me. First off, she's having sex, and this leads into another story we're going to talk about at the end here. Let the superheroes have sex. Let them be horny. We need more horniness. We need more romance in our superhero stuff. Let them be horny. Please and thank you. She's swiping through a dating app. She's picking up a dude, taking him to the bedroom. Yes, please. The CGI is terrible. I don't think it's going to get better. Uh, I'm just accepting that these films are rushed and they don't really have time to make these things look great. I'm just accepting that. You don't have to. You can always strive for more, but Marvel has a tendency to blur out their backgrounds to make them look quick and easy to do and make really bad CG. So I don't think it's going to be fixed right away. It'll definitely look better in some scenes, but oof, it's rough and not good. We do see Frogman in the trailer, and I I have two thoughts on Frogman. I I think I might do a video later talking about Frogman for some god reason. I don't know. Uh, First thought. They're going to vigilante him up. They're going to turn Frogman into vigilante from Peacemaker. And what I mean by that is just making him a big idiot and having the audience fall in love with that goofball, like that schmucky guy. I love it. Second thought is that's Daredevil in disguise. That is, I think that's where we're going to start. I think we're going to see Charlie Cox in this somewhere, probably in the yellow suit. There is a storyline people are referencing where Matt was dressed up in the Frogman suit I think it's him in the suit. I think that's where we're starting. So, She-Hulk attorney at law. There is stuff in here I like. Stuff in here I don't really like. Giant mixed bag for me that I will be talking about weekly when it comes out. August 17th is when it starts. Pretty soon. Pretty far away. But whatever. Could be fun. Don't really care. Jumping away from there, we have some fun confirmation. that I, I've actually covered this news since it started. Wonder Twins movie was coming. 
Wonder Twins movie cast its Wonder Twins. Wonder Twins movie canceled. Lol. Too much money for your streaming service. They canceled it. Goodbye. Uh, yeah, I get it. Aside from a handful of people, this isn't a property you can do much with. You know, like not everyone loves it. Yeah, I get it. $75 million? You don't need that. You don't need that for a She-Hulk show. You don't need it for a Moon Knight show. And you don't need it for a Wonder Twins show. So yeah, I understand it. $75 million is a lot of money. You don't need to use that. Going away from Wonder Twins, we jump into the world of bros. Now, if you don't know what bros is, I wanted to talk about this. This is the first cinematic released romantic comedy starring two male leads as the love interest. This is uh, the Billy Eichner thing that he's been talking about for a while. This is a rom-com with two male leads focusing on their love story. There was a trailer that dropped. It was a Red Band trailer. I think this is fascinating, and I absolutely love it. The jokes were fun. It was fresh. It was a cool idea. Playing in like the meta world that rom-coms do, where it's like, okay, the studio is hiring me to write a gay romantic comedy. How do I do that when I think they're all stupid? How do I do that when I know they're not going to let me talk about my world and the things in my world? That's really cool. That's very exciting. And it was just genuinely interesting. The Red Band trailer, I'm like, oh, you're really leaning into this thing. And I, I shouldn't say leading into it like it's like, oh man, it's like sticking to something different, you know, like it's a different type of story. It's like you're doing something I'm not used to seeing in my romantic comedies, and that's the point, and it's doing a good job of portraying that. I really like seeing it. Bowen Yang is in this thing. I think he is freaking hilarious. I love his jokes. like, oh, you guys can't. You, you, you killed the vibe just looking like you, so sorry. I love him. This trailer was great. And I cannot wait to talk about the show. I hope it does good. I really hope it does good. I think Billy Eichner is kind of like the perfect choice for this because he's in your face about it. He's not going to be restrained. He's going to say what he needs to say, do what he needs to do. There is sex scenes in this trailer. So if that makes you uncomfortable, I will warn you now that they're there. I, for one, I'm in support of this. I love the idea of this. We need more things like this. We have seen a billion stories of the man and woman falling in love. When it gets cliche, you get it. But if we're going to do a cliche, why can't we do the cliches of two men? Why can't we do the cliches of two women? Let's have some fun with it. Let's get weird with it. Let's do it. Bros looks great. I cannot wait to see this film. We jump back to the world of Disney Plus and Marvel because, look, we this one, I, I, it could house its own video. Maybe it will eventually. Another Daredevil series is potentially in the works, and, and yeah, I think this thing's been talked about to death. I don't really have anything new to say about it. What I can say about it is do it. Like, this is important. And I know there's the huge conversation, like, Disney's going to mess it up and make it PG and friendly. I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's like a million different interpretations of Daredevil. I started reading the character with Mark Wade's run. And he was like, what if he was just like a silly goofball swashbuckler who played into the fact that he's weird and just pretends he's not good at doing anything? He's like, oop, I hit the wrong button on the elevator, doop-de-doop. -doop. You know, I love that. It's fun. It's a Matt who's been through hell and he's just like, I'm okay now. You can still do the dark, serious stuff because that character lives in both worlds, the light and the dark. You, you can even just do a season where he's happy and positive. He gets his butt kicked, comes back down to the darkness. You can do both. You can do both. I hope they do a little mixture of both. I don't really want Vincent D'Onofrio to show up right away. I kind of just hope he fights some street-level villains, do some cool shit. I really hope this works. I'm hesitant 
the showrunners haven't worked on a lot, but I don't know. It could be something special. I hope it is something special. I hope it is worthwhile. I really want this to be fun and creative. It could be, or it could just be something boring. Now, we have a couple more news pieces to talk about. Uh, This one does kind of connect in to the topic we are going to be talking about after the ad break here. Ad break. There's not going to be any ads on this. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 got its trailer. Um, I love the Mission Impossible movies. I think it's one of the only franchises where it gets better each outing. I don't know how that's possible. Six movies in where you can start off with a weird 90s thing, go to your weird one in the second one, build and build and build and build. It is super impressive. And this trailer was great. Look, Tom Cruise jumping off a cliff. I support it 100%. Everyone's back doing their thing. Haley Atwell's in here. Did she did she give him a little kissy kissy? I, I, she, somebody kissed him. Somebody gave him a kissy kissy. Look, I'm just going to say this, okay? Vanessa Kirby, Haley Atwell, and Rebecca Ferguson in one movie? You are doing something I like. You're doing something I like. I, I enjoy seeing all those people on screen. I hope we can see more Rebecca Ferguson because she's great. Nobody is doing it like her. She has done so much like amazing blockbuster work, but she has never gotten a lead role. Like, why isn't she doing her Atomic Blondes yet? You know, I hope she does because Rogue Nation was fantastic with her. Fallout was fantastic with her. Was she in Rogue Nation? I can't remember anymore. She's the coolest person ever. She's in Dune. That's impressive. She's just great. And yeah, part one, fantastic. I'm 100% invested in this world. I'm on board. I'm a Tom Cruise fan. I love when he does this stuff. I feel like this is going to be his no time to die. And then we can maybe get a new generation of Mission Impossible coming in later. That'd be cool. You know, spin it off. Give me Rebecca Ferguson doing her thing. I don't know. That'd just be fun. And we have one more to talk about. One more trailer for a movie coming out in July. I think we talked about the first Thor trailer. I can't remember. Well, Thor got a new trailer. I do have things I want to talk about it. You know, um, where do we start? Gore the God Butcher looks fantastic. I am ashamed in the rest of the MCU for thinking CG is the thing to do. The fact that we just said, no, we are going to just make Christian Bale look real and scary. It's awesome. Like that looks so much better than anything else they have done in decades in decades it is fantastic i think it looks better than thanos i will stand by that it looked fantastic we haven't seen it moving much but that's cool grayscale looked great in those scenes i really liked seeing that natalie portman's looking very happy to be back there is one thing i do want to talk about uh okay (laughs) there's a scene at the end of the trailer where Zeus shows up, Russell Crowe shows up, he shoots a gust of wind at Thor, takes off all his clothes, they blur out his ass, we're going to be seeing Chris Hemsworth fast in this film, of course we are, that's fine, all the women faint at the sight of him naked, I don't, okay, I don't hate this joke, I get the use of it, I think there's something creative about this joke and I can support that, the thing I don't like is that it feels like another one of those things that people complain about with the MCU, and that is the male characters are used as jokes to uplift the female characters i think ragnarok really did that and and that's okay because chris hemsworth isn't on the joke so i'm fine with that i just think the scene is just kind of 
boring. It's just like so obvious. It's like, oh no, now he's naked. No one's going to help him. Look how goofy it is. Look how impressive it is. I don't know. There's just something about it that just felt so boring to me. I don't really, I didn't really care for it, but whatever. It worked just fine. It's going to be just okay. And cool. Stuff is happening. Big, strong women in here. I love it. It's great. Russell Crowe looks great. Thor's getting another movie. We'll be talking more about Thor eventually. Thor the movie. Again, another Thor movie. Another Thor. Is this going to be his No Time to Die? Let's just give everybody their own No Time to Dies now. That Oh, I'm, I'm saving that for a video. Holy shit, that'd be a fun topic to talk about. That's all the news. We're going to see some Chris Hemsworth ass this year. That's pretty fun. We come back from the break. Let's not talk about Chris Hemsworth. Let's talk about Thomasin Cruzeson. Thomasin Cruzeson. That's my name for him. So I just kind of want to say before we get into this, this is amazing. I'm looking at a list here of every film Tom Cruise has done from 2001 to 2018. That's kind of like where he's done everything. Everything after 2018 was like pushed back. I understand that. Everything he did in that time is impressive. Are they great films? Nah. Some of them are pretty bad, but I commend him for consistently making art. Like this is an incredible, this is an incredible list of filmmaking achievements. I gotta say. So we ended things on the year 2000 of the last one let's jump into 2001 based on this wikipedia list he does a narration for stanley kubrick a life in pictures fuck stanley kubrick i don't like him we don't have to talk about that good for that 2001 he also does the others as an executive producer cool i guess he did not work on that i don't give a shit vanilla sky was a weird movie and I don't think I remember it too well. It is definitely, uh, it's it's insane. You know, it's one of those films that I think people are just like, this is an idea being made. And you can love it or hate it, but it's definitely something that exists. It's definitely something that happened. And we'll remember it forever. 2002 was a busy year for him. He was he did the narration for Space Station 3D. I have no idea what that means. Is that a movie? Let's look it up right now while we're talking here. Space Station 3D. That's probably just oh, it's a documentary. Okay, cool. I I, I guess Tom Cruise was connected to what space somehow. What, he didn't really do a space movie before then though, so that doesn't really make sense to me, but. Uh, it's for IMAX screenings for something. Was it like a NASA thing? Whatever. This doesn't matter. (laughs) Why am I hung up on this one? This is probably the best movie he's made in the decade, isn't it? Yeah. Good for you, man. You you narrated something about NASA that you you probably... And you see, like, this is kind of the start of Tom Cruise getting weird stuff going on for his career, where he's willing to risk his life. It's slowly starting, I think, really with Ghost Protocols when it starts, but we'll get there. So he did that thing I just said. Minority Report. Incredible movie. Influenced so much of pop culture. Literally to this day, there are things being made based on the ideas of Minority Report. He was fantastic in it. This is kind of, I think, really him tracing back to those old school roots of his where he's suddenly like an older man playing like, you know, somebody competent, somebody powerful. 
doing something very fun. I, I really like Minority Report. It's one of those films that is such a good science fiction idea. It's like, can we predict the future? How do we stop things before they happen? Everybody has their interpretation of this. Everything right down to Westworld is dealing with this idea. It's like such a fun concept. And I think this really kicked it off into like the consciousness and then like the zeitgeist of people's ideas. There is something very impressive about it. And I, I really like seeing that. This is a fun movie. It holds up incredibly well. It's kind of like Spielberg 2 just coming back to that kind of specialty science fiction genre piece of his idea because pretty much like everything he did before that was the war stuff was wrote to perdition he's slowly coming back to you know classic spielberg and that and it's just really fun a great movie great fun also in 2002 he has a cameo appearance in gold member fun fact about me anybody is interested I think Austin Powers is one of the least funny films ever made. I do not like the franchise in the slightest. I do not enjoy the jokes. I do not enjoy the characters that are created. I think it is doing a bad job of what it's trying to parody. It is annoying. And I like the idea of just Tom Cruise showing up and pretending he's Austin Powers for a minute. And like, you know, it's like, hey, we rebooted, baby. Who gives a shit? That's fun. Like, I, I'm Canadian. It's almost sacrilegious to say I don't like Mike Myers' comedy, but it's true. I don't like his comedy. Wayne's World's the exception, and he's not even the best part of that. He is the part I don't enjoy about that. I like everything else in Wayne's World except what he's doing. And it's just a younger, you know, Mike Myers, so it's really more interesting. But yeah, Austin Powers, shove it up your, your keister. I do not care. Not fun. Not interesting. Not worth my time. Not worth the time. He executive produces something called NARC in this time period. I'm sure now that some of the things I talked about in his early career, he executive produced and I didn't look at it. But you really get the the feeling like, oh, okay, this is a man who's slowly building up his name and doing stuff now. So he ends 2002 producing NARC. 2003, he produces Shattered Glass, which is a brilliant film. If you haven't watched Shattered Glass, it is a great story, a great interpretation. It is going to make you like Hayden Christensen. If you're still on the fence about him as an actor, he is fantastic in that film, giving his all. It's one of those things where you learn like, oh, people can actually act when you give them the right script and the right director to work off. Peter Skarsgård, or no, Sarsgård is fantastic in it. Steve Zahn is incredible in it. Everybody in this film is just firing on all cylinders. And it's a quick, breezy film, too. And it's just so powerful a story and such a creative idea. I love things about journalism. That's just like something I enjoy. And I, I think this is like one of those films that just really shows you a creative endeavor that can hit the right mark. And I don't know why I'm spending so much time on it. It is not a Tom Cruise movie. He is only a producer. But that same year, he does The Last Samurai, which is a, another one that I'm like, okay. I, I feel like this one holds up better in memory than it does in like, actuality. Is it a good one? Is it a good movie? It, 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 it's one of those ones, isn't it, where it just feels like this, it'd be a better story if it wasn't about like a white guy. I, I know it's like, kind of based on real events or supposedly real events or whatever. I don't know it's yeah okay it's one of those things where it's like i understand the need to do it i just feel the story would be more impactful if it wasn't tom cruise doing it it's also in that era where it's like 
we're slowly figuring out how to tell stories about different cultures, but we're not doing it great yet. And we make stuff like this where it's kind of interesting, but it's also kind of boring and kind of dull and doesn't do anything. 2004, he does Collateral. Again, yeah, okay. Collateral. This, again, I, I said it kind of like last time where it's like 80s Tom Cruise was what I was watching. 90s Tom Cruise. I'm like, oh, there's some gems in here, but not really my thing. Early 2000s Tom Cruise, again, not really my thing. Mainly because I started really seeing cinema in the 2010s, which we'll get to. So Collateral, I enjoy it. I don't really love it. But what I do love is in 2005, War of the Worlds, because this is how you update a story, my man. This was great. And it's, again, another personal story that Spielberg plays with, this idea of a father protecting his kids. Very Spielberg. And how often do we see Tom Cruise as a father? I can't remember. Do we see it often? It feels like something that shouldn't work, that shouldn't happen. He shouldn't feel like a dad because he doesn't give off that energy. But it was cool. Great visuals, great directing. Really cool. War of the Worlds is a great film, and I think it holds up really well. Sometimes the VFX are a little dated, but there's nothing wrong about it. It just looks like the time it came from. Very interesting thing. Also in 2005, he produces Elizabeth Town. Very fun, I guess. Uh, 2006, he produces Ask the Dusk, which, uh, okay, I don't, I don't care what that is, but we get the third Mission Impossible, and this is where things start to ramp up, because it's this is the send-off. This is where we actually say, okay, Ethan Hunt had a good run. We're going to slow it down now. We got Abrams directing. Everything's going hunky-dory. We're having a great time. This is working well, and it's a fun story. It does like play like the, like the wrap-up of his character. Of course, it wouldn't be. You know, other stuff would come from him. But it's like, okay, I see what you're doing here. It's good. Like, the action is strong. The story is very compelling. It's, I don't think it's the best Mission Impossible film. But like I said, they get better and better and better and better. So it's a good midpoint to see what's going to come. It definitely inspires what's going to happen next with the next few Mission Impossible films. So that's kind of cool, too. Very fun. 2007 he does lions for lambs which i believe this is the weird one that was directed by redford wasn't it yes redford directed this inspired by their idolistic professor dr mallory to do some meaningful other yeah, yeah who gives a shit okay fun he plays senator jasper irving i don't think anybody like remembers this movie i doubt it was received well i'm sure it's a very competent film that no one gives a shit about. And that is pretty much all I have to say on this. I will probably talk about Redford at some point. But this is probably not the video to do it. But cool. Good for you, man. You do you. 2008, when he should have been doing Iron Man. But they wouldn't let him have his face out of the helmet. He does Tropic Thunder. A movie with Robert Downey Jr. As Les Grossman. And this is a... This is where I think he starts to turn a little bit where he's suddenly in on the joke because he plays a bumbling, balding, fat lunatic. And I think this is where he suddenly realizes, oh, I can also do comedy. You know, he's the cool, suave guy, but this is just like, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a risk. I'm going to do something in my career that nobody would advise me to do. I'm going to be a weirdo. He's a weirdo outside of camera, but on camera, he's a competent man. 
But out here, he's going to do something different. And Tropic Thunder is a very interesting film. It's not one I particularly love as much as other people do. But I like it. I respect what it's saying. I don't think it holds up incredibly well. And I'm not saying that because of the RDJ stuff. I get the, I get the necessity for that, even if it is silly. I just think it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of dumb. It's parodying the thing it's trying to parody, and yeah, whatever. But you cannot deny that Tom Cruise feels in on the joke in this movie. Where it, like, I feel like earlier Tom Cruise wouldn't be in on the joke. This is a Tom Cruise in on the joke. Same year he does Valkyrie, which I know I should probably spend time talking about, but it just feels like, yeah, this is another one of those types of films that makes sense that he worked on, you know? That's what it is. 2008 is when like the change really starts. But it's 2010, I think, where things really find their footing. And they figure out what they're going to be. Because he does Night and Day, where he plays Matthew Knight. And this is the start of what would become the Tom Cruise career trajectory. Where it's just blockbuster, action-y. I'm going to do some weird shit. And you're going to like me. I'm going to be the same guy, but you're going to like him anyways. So um, I like that. I'm on board for that. I'm fine with that completely. That's fine. Night and Day started it. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol perfected it. Is this the best? Is this the best one? I would argue that Ghost Protocol could be the best movie with a kid with, you know, Mission Impossible. It's incredibly cool. It's just like, okay, no, this is a style now. We can actually take our chances, do our risks. They're such competent films. They're such cool stories and action beats and characters. They do so many interesting things. I really like Ghost Protocol. I think it was the one where I went, yeah, okay. You really figured out your footing, man. And you are older now. You're like in your 40s doing this? Okay, dude. You take it easy. You take a moment to figure out your footing. Like when he's scaling the side of that building, the Burj Khalifa, I'm like, yes. Yeah, you figured it out. You reached it for the stars. You made something special. Rebecca Ferguson, I know is not in this one. This is the Jeremy Renner one. He's weird too. He's got an app that you could find stuff on, but whatever. And then we get to, so, okay, let's put it this way. Night and Day, I think, is when I started to go actively see every Tom Cruise film that came out. Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. I'm like, yep, this is the one for me. I'm on board. I dig it. I dug it. What's going on? 2012, we get a a classic film in my household. So I talked about it like when we did Top Gun. That was a film I always knew about. I always watched. It was always in my life. Another one that is always in my life that I have watched frequently, I have listened to the soundtrack to, it is actively being viewed more or less every year in my household with people I know, with family I love. This is Rock of Ages. And this is insane to me because this, again, feels like Tom Cruise in on the joke. He plays Stacy Jacks, a rock star doing some cool shit. He really leans into the pervy, crazy, drug-fueled endeavor of a rock star, and it's really funny. It's awesome. Like this is a great parody of like rock stars and the Hollywood lifestyle and rock and roll. I think Rock of Ages is a fun film. 
is it the best film? Of course not. It's kind of dumb. But this is it, man. This is just a guy who is like, I'm going to play a silly role. No one's going to believe it's me, man. No one's going to think it's me. He is a singer. He does sing in this, right? I for the I cannot for the life of me right now remember how he sings and stuff, but I'm just like, yeah, this is it. This is this is Stacy Jacks, man. That's Tom Cruise. Again, in on the joke, years after doing what was it, Tropic Thunder, he is back doing another thing in on the joke. And it's fun. It's fun. Oh, Rock of Ages is so fun. A great film. Definitely one we'll put in the recommendations when we get there. Same year he does Jack Reacher as Jack Reacher. Yes, I think there's been, uh, wait, okay, no, yeah, yeah, Alan Richards, Reacher, there's Jack Ryan, there's Jack Reacher, yes, generic, this feels just like we have a property, we have crews signed on to something, let's do this so we can put him in another Mission Impossible, Jack Reacher, the movie exists, you can watch it if you want, does not matter in the slightest, watch it or don't, who gives a flying fuck? 2013 is Oblivion, and that is based on a video game, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this is yeah. I, 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 this is where I'm like, okay, I, I see. This was bad. <laughs> it was so boring and dumb and dense for no reason, and just some really silly science fiction that wanted to be action, wanted to be meaningful, really became neither or nothing. It just didn't find its footing throughout its entirety. Just very boring. Oblivion is just kind of the worst, you know? It's like one of those movies you think you should watch, but it's just like, put on something else. Like Edge of Tomorrow, which is 2014, because this film slaps. This kind of feels like an apology to him. It's like, no, 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 we got you, man. You want to make one of these cool science fiction films? Okay, well, what about one where he puts you in a giant suit, you keep reliving the same day, every time you die, you start back where you started? Yeah, what if we did that? Oh, so good. It's brilliant. It is so fun. They have been talking about a sequel to this forever. It's such a good movie. Like, the action is so intense and gripping. Emily Blunt delivers one of the best performances of her life, and that's saying something because the woman can deliver some great performances. It is so fascinating and so fun, and he is so good in it. Just like He's kind of just like the dopey guy who kind of finds himself later on, but he's still playing that classic Tom Cruise swagger and doing some great stuff. And it feels very much an apology for Jack Reacher and Oblivion, where it's like, yeah, we're giving you boring roles. You're smart in this one. Not believable because you're 5'7". Oblivion, nobody gives a shit. Nobody watch that. Here's Edge of Tomorrow. You're gripping. You're intense. You're scary. Have fun with it, dude. And he did. And then a year later, he does Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, which is an amazing film with some great action and great sequences. And he, like, this is where I think he's like, Oh no, I've committed to this. This is my this is my Fast and Furious. The reason I'm not in Fast and Furious is because of this. And good. Good. Because he's great. Rogue Nation, I think, had one of the better stories. It definitely played with some really fun stuff. I think just because it falls between Ghost Protocol and Fallout, it kind of becomes forgotten. But it's fantastic. It holds up on its own in some cool ways. I just personally, I don't know. I think Fallout's better. We're getting to Fallout really quick here. But before Fallout, we have some bad shit. <laughs> the obligatory Jack Reacher sequel, Never Go Back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you saw this one, I'm sorry. 
Same thing with 2017's The Mummy. Was it 2017? We can talk about it on Movie Tales? Okay, man. Oh, boy. This one, I I love them. I love The Mummy. Like, the Brendan Fraser Mummy stuff, that's great. The Boris Karloff stuff, oof, that's fantastic. The Mummy is such a cool franchise. Such a cool thing. This is such a bad movie. Like, it is inexcusably bad. It is so, so forced trying to build its universe. Here's Russell Crowe as Dr. Jacqueline and Hyde as Nick Fury, a literal scene where he fights people in it. We are really trying to push this identity for Tom Cruise as the lead of our Mummy franchise in our dark universe, but he's not the Mummy. The Mummy was uh, Sophia Butella. So what was he? Was he the Van Helsing-esque character? Oh, it was so weird. It really felt like, nah, we need to reboot this. We need to make something with Tom Cruise. What if we just connected these two into something silly? Oh, it was such a bad movie. His name was Nick Morton. Oh, what a, what a, oh, buddy. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. This was rough. This was a rough one to watch. I think it was silly. He has like a really stupid scream when like the plane is falling down. Again, it's like somebody calls him young man and he's like 50 in it. That, that was the thing I remember in the theaters. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> nobody believes that he's 50. Like nobody's going to call him a young man. He looks his age. He looks great for his age, but he looks his age. Do not think for a minute he is a young man. It's weird. But also the same year it was American Made. And I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I think this is like a quieter one that not many people talk about because it's in between The Mummy and Fallout. But it's like, nah, he's playing a really good story. This is where like he he just like kind of commits to being like that guy. This is a very stylized film of certain camera movements and camera tricks. His wife is like 30 years younger than him, but fine, Hollywood. You, you can't fix what's fucked. But it's just such a classic film. And I think people forget about it but it's like no this one was great it was quiet it was cool a great story about laundering money about fighting cartels and stuff it works really well i really like american made probably i think one of his better stuff in the later years but come on mission impossible fallout is a perfect film it like great music great score great use of rebecca ferguson and henry cavill and simon pegg and angela bassett and my goodness tom cruise in it he's so good in it too he is so strong and capable in this film and you really feel the passion involved you really feel like he jumped out of a big plane and just said i'm falling through a lightning storm oh it's awesome like this is awesome that's where he really picked up his momentum. That is where he found his footing. That's where he became a filmmaker. It's awesome. He's been a filmmaker forever, but that was so good. It's amazing he's not like a director. You know, he feels like somebody that would direct something, you know, like he'd want to at least try to direct something. But, oh, Mission Impossible, Fallout, oh, that is a legendary film. And then he has made other films, which we'll talk about here too, but none that have released yet at the time of this recording none of these other films have released yet this is his last film in four years of course top gun maverick was supposed to come out two years ago got delayed super excited to watch that one and we just talked about the trailer for mission impossible dead reckoning part one Whew, it's gonna be amazing and this is a great career this is a fantastic career this is a man who said i'm young i'm the cool thing I'm going to make some really interesting stuff with science fiction and fantasy 
and war in like the 2000s and suddenly I'm going to do some jokey stuff with like Austin Powers and Tropic Thunder and Rock of Ages but suddenly I know my bread and butter it's Mission Impossible it's action films like Jack Reacher like The Mummy like American Made I'm going to do those things and build up my career to become the last movie star and I will stand by this you, you Chris Pratt, Henry Cavill, these guys are not movie stars. They are names. They are names. You go see them because they're either attached to a franchise you love and you like the name. You do not go see them because, oh man, Tom Cruise is in it. You don't do that with all of them. They're attached to too many big IPs to be movie stars. This is amazing. And yes, Mission Impossible is an old IP who gives a shit, blah, blah, blah. What a career. What a legacy. I am super impressed with what this man has done. I, I, we don't have to get behind the scenes with like the Scientology and the Kate Holmes and the jumping on a sofa and just the weirdness about him. Not important. Not important. We're here to talk about his filmography because at the end of every show, I like to talk about recommendations I could give for you. Let's look at some recommendations from the current career trajectory of this man. That Minority Report, of course. War of the Worlds, of course. Mission Impossibles, of course, all of them. All of them are fantastic. Rock of Ages, yeah, baby. An American made. Yes, man. They're all great. Anything but the mummy, really. I want to see the Dark Universe, though. <laughs> I think that'd be awesome. Oh, do you guys have a favorite Tom Cruise film? Looking at this list, oh, I think my favorite might be Fallout. Uh, I really, I really do like Minority Report, though. But I think it's Fallout. I think Fallout is my favorite Tom Cruise film. Next to Top Gun. They're all great, though. He's such a cool guy. He's very interesting, and I respect him for that. So that is going to do it for this episode of The Geek Wave. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And as always, I will catch you in the next one. Have fun. Stay safe. Good luck. Tom Cruise it out, baby.